week four of our series called Landing Lights. When we're discovering in this series, we're discovering uh, God's will and how we can determine God's will, how we can seek after God's will. As a pastor, and you can ask any of our staff members, it's probably one of the most common things that we're asked is, what is God's will? Uh, How do we find it? What is this whole thing about God's calling, God's will? How do we discover that? And so we're in the series where we're taking a look at what I believe are five biblical principles that allow us to know God's will in our lives at those times, especially whether they're big, whether they're looming, or whether they're small decision points intersections, choices that we have in life where we are going to be going in one direction or the other, or maybe we have a choice to make in life, and we want to know God's will, we are looking at these landing lights. And so a few weeks ago, we started by talking about wise counsel, how we should gather around us people who are smarter and wiser than us, are more discerning than us to help advise us. We talked about outside circumstances and how God will align outside circumstances, and we need to be on the lookout for those things in our lives. He is going to use those things outside of us to lead us and to guide us, and we need to be aware of them. Last week, Justin talked about scriptural confirmation, one of my favorite messages I've heard in a long time. Um, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it about how we, uh, as God's people, need to be deeply rooted in His Word to discover Uh, what his word says about the choices we make and the things that we have. And today we're going to be talking about this thing of personal desire. Next week, inner peace, as we round it out the week after with a review message and kind of an overview message uh, in uh, week six. And so today we come to personal desire desire. Now, we're in a period of time, it's kind of the time on the calendar, a lot of graduations going on. How many of you knew somebody who is graduating or graduated this year? Any graduation at all, kindergarten, eighth grade, all the way up, let's just include them all, all right? There we go, all right, great. I'm about ready to graduate to 50 this next year. So anyway, that's a whole another graduation, a whole another topic, but, um, and I'm not really looking forward to it, but anyway. All right, so we're talking about these landing lights, and we're talking about this in context of these decisions that we make in life. And there's one thing that graduates are asked about. We had one this year. She was in the previous service, and I embarrassed her fully. Uh, and uh, she graduated from high school. And one of the things that you are often asked when you graduate is, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? And I want to ask you that question this morning. What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Some of you are like, it's getting really close to lunchtime. I want you to stop talking, and I want to go to lunch, all right? I'm very aware of that, all right? So what do you want to do in life? What do you want from your life? What do you want your life to mean? What is the desire that you have for the mission and the purpose of your life? What are your dreams? What are your goals? What are your aspirations in life? What do you want from life? What do you want to accomplish? I remember that question being asked when I was graduating and while I was in that period of time, what do you want in life? And my answer was all over the place, although the top answer was I wanted to be a professional golfer. And clearly, God did not design me, one of the words I'm using later, to be a professional golfer. And so uh, anyway, but uh, you, you and I have desire that is in us that God gave us. And we're going to be talking about this idea of desire, delight, 
and design today as we look at the desires that we have. But the question I want you to ponder is what do you want in life? There's this old story about a proud young man who came to Socrates after asking for knowledge. He walked up to the, uh, this, the muscular philosopher and he said, Oh, great Socrates, I come to you for knowledge. Well, Socrates recognized that this was a young guy who was a little bit pompous and was prideful. And, and, and he led the young man through the streets down to the sea. They walked into the water chest deep. He looked at him and he asked the question, what do you want? And the man said, I want knowledge, O Socrates, he said with a smile on his face. And Socrates put his strong hands on the shoulders of the man and he pushed him under the water and he held him there for 30 seconds. And he popped up out of the water, and Socrates looked at him, and he said, what do you want? And he said, wisdom, wisdom, oh, Socrates, wisdom, maybe I want wisdom. And Socrates said, great, and he crunched him down under the water, and he left him there for 35 to 45 seconds. Socrates let him come up out of the water. The man was gasping, and Socrates looked at him, and he said, what do you want? Well, between his heavy breathing and his breath, he wheezed and he said, knowledge, knowledge, oh wise one, I want knowledge. And Socrates reached back out and pushed the man under the water again, except this time for 45, even 50 seconds, he pushed him under the water and he came up out of the water and Socrates looked at the young man and he said, what do you want, young man? And he said, air, I need air, I need air, I need air. And Socrates responded and he said, at the point that you want knowledge, as much as you just wanted air, you will receive knowledge. And it's interesting because that's kind of the way we were forged in our desires. That's the way the world forges us in our desires. You have a desire, you have a want, you have this thing that you want out of life, that you want to see out of life, that you want to discover out of life, something that's out in the future that you so want desperately. Go find it, desire it so much. Just like the breath that we have, and you'll find it. And I think the difficult thing is for us to find where our desires and God's will begins and ends. As the world tells us to kick in the door, the world tells us to take it down, to run over whoever and whatever it takes to get to where we want. And I believe that God's version of desire is maybe a little bit different. Before we dive into his word, let's pray. And I want to give you three simple ways that we can discover our desire in life and have this landing light go on in our lives. Father, I pray that you would just be with us right now. Holy Spirit, may you lead and may you guide us. As we talk about desire, as we discover this landing light that I believe you instilled in us, Father, I pray that we would be ever aware of aligning ourselves to what you want of resting in you and finding delight in you and discovering how you've designed us. Be with us right now as we dive into your word. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. David, the writer of Psalms, wrote most of Psalms. He talks about this thing of desire, and he talks about it in Psalm 37, verse 4. And today, I want to begin with this verse and end with this verse. And I want us to kind of take this verse and learn three things Three principles about our desires in life and how it relates to God. He says this in Psalm 37, verse 4. He writes, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. 
Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Three things, kind of three ways to separate this particular verse. I want to talk about delight, and I want to talk about heart, but I want to talk about desire. Because I think that sometimes as Christians, we, we see this desire thing, and we think we shouldn't have desire. We shouldn't have goals. We shouldn't have ambition. All desire is selfish. All desire is not of God. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. And I believe that God has designed each one of you with a particular desire. He's designed me with a desire. He's designed us with life goal and life purpose. But our job, and this is the first point today, is is that we must align ourselves and our desire with his will. You see, the tension comes up when our desires turn into something that's very selfish. And it's something that we look at God and we say, I've got this desire and I want you, God, to bend to me. Do you realize that he's not going to do that? Do you realize that that's not the way it works? Our desires, our ambition, is supposed to be bent to what God wants. That's what he wants for our lives. C.S. Lewis says this. He says, you know, our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but actually too weak. We're half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us. He says, It's for like the ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slums because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday or a vacation at sea. And he says this, he says, we are far too easily pleased. Far too easily pleased. You know, sometimes when we don't discover the desire that God created within us for our lives, that maybe the ambition that he gave us for our lives that is given by him, when we don't discover that, then we are too easily pleased with life. And we buy in way too easily to life. God has given you a heart. He's given you something that comes deep from deep within. He's given you that passion, the desire of your heart. What is the desire of your heart? What makes you cry? What gives you emotion? What leads you to a place where you're moved by it? I bet your desire is something along the lines of the thing that moves you the most. Some of you, you may be working, you may have a vocation that fits your desire. You may have a vocation that fits who you are. You may be designed exactly where you're supposed to be in life, and you're there. Some of you may have a desire that is being fueled by the thing that brings you income, and you're fine with that because you have time and ability and resources to be able to do the thing that you love. And the good news about that is you found that thing that you love. You see, when The writer here, David, was writing about heart when he was writing about this thing that comes from within, the desire. He was talking about a person's innermost passion, the thing that burns the hottest in your life. The problem is, is that we have our own selfish ambitions that often cause tension with what God wants for our lives. Are you with me? We have selfish ambitions. I mean, when I was 16 years old, there was nothing that I wanted more than to be a professional golfer. 
That's what I wanted. I wanted, I wanted money. I saw people that had money, and I wanted money. And my desire was to be the best in golf and to be the best in being able to have a career that made money. I found out later that in most cases, being a golf professional doesn't automatically mean you make money. <laughs> and so I had to learn over a long period of time to allow my desire to be bent towards God because if it's not bent towards God, it is just selfish ambition. It is just selfish ambition. So there's a difference between selfish ambition and the desire that God has given us. See, if we allow him, God will shape and he will align our personal ambition towards him. And you and I have a choice. We can ignore the desire that God has put in our heart. We can stifle it. We can push it down. We can embrace it. We can take it and use it for our gain only, or we can allow it to be bent and shaped and aligned with what God wants for our lives. So point number one is to align our desire with him. Second thing today, second point, is that we need to find our delight in God. We need to find our delight in him. The psalmist here says right out of the gates, he says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desire of your heart. There's a reason, listen, I want you to hear this. There's a reason that God inspired David to write it in the order that he wrote it. It's not meant to be in the opposite order. We don't find the desire of our heart and then we get to delight in God. He says, delight yourself in the Lord. And then he will give you the desire of your heart. It's a little bit like Jesus when he was talking to his disciples, and it's recorded in Matthew 6.33. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. Listen, we've got it the wrong way, don't we? We go after what we want first, and then we want to pursue the things of God. What if we change that paradigm? What if, what if I change that paradigm? What if you change that paradigm for your life, for our lives? Imagine what God would do at the church if we changed that paradigm and what he wants for our lives. Delight yourself in the Lord, and then he will give you the desire of your heart. Psalm 37 verse 23 says, the steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his ways. So what does this word delight mean? Well, I kind of like this and I kind of don't like this, but the actual root word, the original word in the original language means to refresh oneself or to take pleasure in or to, are you ready for this? To be pampered by. <laughs> some of you may like that, some of you may not like that, but what if we rested so much in the Lord that we actually felt refreshed? And in a way, pampered by God. You see, that's what it means to know him. And we get caught up in the rat race of life. We get caught up in busting the doors down to accomplish what we want to accomplish. We, we get caught up in trying to, you know, uh, you know, match what we see around us to keep up with the Joneses, to, to have the great house and to have the great car and to do all those things because we believe that the joy in life is going to come from accomplishments and it's going to come from us having all of these things from attainment. And the reality is right here, the psalmist says, first and foremost, delight yourself in 
him. Essentially what he's saying is just rest. It's just rest. It's not the pursuit of sitting on the beach somewhere with the drink that you want and the umbrella and the umbrella in the drink and the umbrella over your head and umbrellas everywhere and you know, sea turtles in the background. Anyway, it's not that. And I'm sorry, I'm spoiling some of your vacations. He's not saying, don't go on vacation. You know what he's saying? He's saying, that's not true joy. That's not true delight. It's rest. But he's talking about here just being with Jesus. It's just spending time with the Father. It's resting in Him. And He says if we find our joy, if we find our rest, if we're pampered in God, if we delight in God, then we will discover the desire of our heart. Then we will discover the desire of our heart. You see, once we've found satisfaction in God, our purpose begins to come into focus. Have you ever had that rest, that vacation, that time, maybe when you were away or you took a sabbatical? I took a sabbatical earlier this year. It was right in the middle of Omicron. It messed up all of our plans. But man, I've taken sabbaticals before where I had that aha moment. I've been on those vacations where we got away from things and all of a sudden God began to bring things into focus, not because I was on vacation, but because I was spending more time with him. And for you and for me, for Christ followers everywhere, if we will rest in him, if we will just breathe, just breathe, let him be dad. Let him be the one that we find our satisfaction in. All of a sudden, his purposes for our life come into focus. Some of you have had your purpose in life. You've had your vocational mission in life fulfilled. And now's the time when this gets really difficult. Am I right? Grandparents, those of you who are maybe above 60 years old and your career's in the background and all of a sudden you think, what's next? You're not asking, you're not answering the question, what do I want? You're going, what's next? What's next? And I think the world sometimes says there's nothing next. And that couldn't be further from the truth. There's so much richness in that period of life. There's so much to be done. There's so much meat still on the bone of life. And maybe you're in a career. Maybe you're in the middle of your career and you think, man, I want to do something different. I want to do something more meaningful. But maybe God is saying, you know what? Don't find your delight in the work. Find your delight in doing something meaningful where I've put you, where I've placed you, where I've brought you to. So if we want this landing light to go on of our desire, we have to first of all align our desire with God. Secondly, find our delight in God. And lastly, discover the design, the way that God has created us. We've got to discover our design. You and I have been designed for a purpose. We've been created for a reason. We were were knitted together. The psalmist says we were knitted together in our mother's womb. That's God that did that. He created you. He created you. Psalm 138, verse 8 says, The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. And he says, Do not forsake the work 
of your hands. Listen, I don't know where you are, but I know that he has a purpose and a meaning and a mission in life for you wherever you are today. He has a reason for you to be here. He has a reason for you to be here. The Lord will fulfill his purpose with you. Ephesians 2, the apostle Paul is writing in the church in Ephesus, and he says, for we are his workmanship. You are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I love that word, that word workmanship. And some of you know this who've been with me for a while because I talk a lot about this because I think this is vitally important. The original language, the Greek word for workmanship means it's poema. It means poem. You're a work of art. You're a work of art. You are God's design. Even with all your flaws and all of your failures and even with your past and even with the hurt and even with the fear and even with whatever you bring into life, whatever it is, even in that career that you wanted and you had a bad golf game like me and so it didn't happen, right? Like whatever it is, God has a purpose and he's not done with you yet. You are his workmanship. And the implication there is he is continuing to work on it all the time. The next time you look in the mirror and you wonder about your worth, you wonder about your worth, look in the mirror and say to yourself, I am his creation. I'm his creation with all my flaws. I'm shaped by God for good works. And here's the really cool thing. God is not going to assign you to a purpose for which he didn't design you to accomplish. He's not going to assign you to something that he didn't prepare you and design you for. He's not going to assign you a purpose or a mission in life or a thing in life that is connected with his desire that he didn't prepare you for. The things that he is created you to accomplish he has created you to accomplish the, the the great assets that you have he wants you to use them in your purpose for your desires as long as they're aligned with him he's shaped you for a purpose we talk about it a lot around here he's given you spiritual gifts he's given each of you if you're a christ follower he's given each of you spiritual gifts that are unique and that are to be used for the purpose of expanding his kingdom and encouraging the church. He's shaped you. He's given you spiritual gifts. He's given you a heart, that passion, that desire we talked about at the beginning for something, something that moves you, something that drives you. He's given you a personality that is unique. And even when people laugh at your personality and joke around about your personality, it's unique. You're created with a purpose. He's given you an experience. He's given you background, and he has shaped you for a purpose. Our job is to find that purpose. And when we understand our God-given design, God then will use us to glorify his kingdom. He'll use it for our good, but he will use it to bring glory to him. He's not going to send you to do something without preparing you to do that thing. I can promise you this. My dad was here in the first service. He struggled with me with math all of my life. I'm not a math whiz. I was not created to be an accountant. 
or a mathematician or an actuary, especially not an actuary. <laughs> my roommate in college loved math so much that he would see my math book open like in the middle of the night because I would quit because I would get so frustrated. He would do my math homework for fun. He would do my math homework for fun. I'm like, Don, you have to stop doing this because this is called cheating and I'm not going to cheat. So anyway, uh, but I was amazed that anyone would do math for fun. I'm not created to be an accountant. He became an actuary. But God gave me a shepherding heart, and that's what God created me for. He's created you with certain gifts and certain abilities and certain talents. And some of you, God called to be a writer. Some of you, God called to be a real estate agent. Some of you, God called to be a teacher, a school teacher. God called some of you to be in, involved in the military and involved in uh, uh, first responders. And he has created you for that purpose and that reason. And he, his assignment for you will be consistent with the way that he made you. Your job is to discover what that is, is to find that purpose, to find what that means. As we close today, I think that one of the struggles we have in finding what our desire is and having it be aligned with God and finding this rest in Him and finding our delight in Him and discovering how God made us and how God created us, discover our design, I think the struggle that we have sometimes is we don't just take a moment just to allow God's Spirit to lead us and guide us. And I want to do that this morning. I want to give you a minute, just of silence, just in quiet, for you to answer the question, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Before I give you that time, I want to read this. It's the rest of the psalm that we read earlier. Psalm 37, verses 4 through 7. I want you to listen to these words. Maybe some of you want to just close your eyes and bow your head right now and listen to these words. He says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. He says, commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. We will bring forth, he will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. And in verse 7, he says this, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not over yourself, over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. And right now, I'm just going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. And let's take a moment to do exactly what the psalmist said here. Let us be still. Be still. Before the Lord. Right now. I'm just going to give you about... 60 seconds to just hear from him in the stillness and the quiet of this place.
Father, admittedly, it is difficult for us to be still. Silence is often terrifying. You can feel very awkward. But you want us to be still. You want us to know that you're God. And Father, I pray that you will have used these last seconds for your good, for our good, and for your glory. May your Holy Spirit lead those who are in this room, who are on the backstage patio, who are at home, who may, maybe they've discovered their desire, they've discovered their mission, they've discovered their purpose. Maybe they've resolved the tension between selfish ambition and what you want for their lives. But God, if they haven't, or if they haven't truly found that rest in you, or if they truly haven't truly found their delight in you, or their design from you, Father, I pray that you would move in their lives, that you would move in my life, that you would move in our lives, whether we're discovering or rediscovering the desire that you put into our heart. I pray that you would reveal that in the coming days, in the coming hours, in the coming weeks, months, and years to your people. And Father, for those who are at the beginning of their life, maybe the beginning of a new vocation, a new career, a new emphasis, or maybe they're in a different chapter, maybe that mid-season, that mid-life chapter, or maybe they're in a different chapter where they can't see because there's so much behind them. They can't see the future. But Father, in the strong name of Jesus, right now I pray that you would give clarity, that your Holy Spirit would speak into the lives of those who are listening today. God, may we align our desire with you. May we take delight in you first so that our purpose comes into focus. And Father, may we discover our true design what you have put us on this earth for. We love you and we thank you that you are a God who gives life. But you're a God who loves us enough that you are going to guide us in life. And we thank you for wise counsel. We thank you for outside circumstances. We thank you for your word and the scriptural confirmation that we can have. And Father, we thank you that you have created each of us for a reason, for a purpose. May you fulfill that in our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray.